All right, back here on the Sports Cry, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing with Sandspin of the One and Twos. 1-800-707-9760. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Integrity Advisors, agency of Stephen Reese. Stephen Reese is a fully virtual insurance broker who handles all your insurance needs, whether auto, home, or life. Give him a call. His number is 210-641-4000. That's Integrity Advisors, agency of Stephen Reese, official sponsor of the sports crime. All right. So, yeah. So, my major points today is, be prepared for Petty Murphy tour for the Golden State Warriors, led by Draymond. I'm put Steph as one A. I mean, I, I'm really starting to believe Steph when he says he's the Petty King. Clay had a lot of built up frustration. You know, I think Clay last night. And again, I've always preached this on this show that I know that these guys uh, listen to the media. I mean, they say they try not to listen, they try not to do that, but they do. Um, and you know. Clay kind of went at, I guess, and I, I don't even remember this happening in real time, but I guess, um, you know, Jackson Jr. from Memphis, I guess, tweeted out after beating him in the regular season, uh, tweeted out the strength in numbers and kind of was a joke. Well, evidently, uh, Clay didn't forget that because Clay got to the podium yesterday just saying, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about this tweet. I can't wait to tweet it. You know, this bum. Like, we've been here before. You don't know how to get here. We've been here before. We know what it takes. And then we're back over here again. Hold that. I have no problem with him saying that, but I think Clay's going to come back and apologize to Jaron Jackson Jr. because he's not a bum. He's young. He ain't been there yet. They ain't done it, but he's not a bum. I think Clay, that just goes to where a lot of this was pinned up and the KD stuff. Draymond Green. I mean, he, and Steph, you know, really throwing Kendrick Perkins under the bus with the whole you know, when Steph does the whole look through the eye hole, busted three, you know, Kendrick was on to, oh, they'll never get another. He won't get one. You know, Mark, he, he named him. And I mean, Steph, like I said, you could just tell that it's, it's one, he has that in him. Now, one thing I want to point out, give credit. And I'm glad what Steve Kerr did to the general manager. Like, hey, he doesn't get enough credit. I mean, he's, he's, he's putting, he, he's slowly but surely coming up the ranks himself, you know. Um, my GMs in my lifetime around Mount Rushmore, um, is of course Jerry West, Pat Riley, and R.C. Buford. Those are the three in my lifetime that's on Mount Rushmore. And, um, I'm not ready yet to put the Golden State GM there, but he definitely needs to start getting more credit, and again, the ownership. And this is what I want to do. I want to go down memory lane. Since we like going down memory lane on Memorial Day shots and and this and this, and, and this is when we – okay, well, let's go back to the Spurs time when they were kind of on this Golden State. Not nothing like this, you know, because people forget it was a long gap between the Spurs, between their fourth and fifth one. But let's just go by – why I think it's going to be hard to stop this Golden State train because they've got everybody pulling on one rope, starting with the owner, okay? He's shelling out a lot of money. They were in Oakland. Oakland's not a big market, okay? They, those people, they've got financial problems down there. We, we, I've talked about the Coliseum where the athletics play, but the, remember, before they moved into Techland, to the new Chase Arena, they were in Oakland, and he was still spending money. But this is the reason why it's going to be hard to really stop them and challenge them because they're kicking people's ass in the front office, and their owner 
is basically kicking ass in the checkbook. It brings me back to the Spurs, the Spurs early run. When you go back to the early 2000s. And when I talk about maximizing, look, five titles in a small market and 20 years of dominance and 50 that I've told y'all a hundred times, regardless how much shade y'all think I throw at the Spurs or, or critical that you can't poo poo on that. But the question is, did they really, when it comes to the ownership decisions, not the players, but the ownership decisions in the front office, did they really, because this ownership group in front office is squeezing everything out the orange, okay? Let me give you what I'm talking about. This owner spending the buku money. A lot of people thought it was crazy to go ahead and take on Wiggins with that salary and take that on the pay. When they were losing and Steph was hurt, Clay was out, they were losing 50 games. They got in the lottery back-to-back. Hell, I don't even think they made the bubble trip. They got disqualified. They, they weren't even in the bubble. Okay? The owner kept spending money to kind of get keep this thing together, to go ahead and, and, you know, put this piece, put this piece. And look where it's playing out now. And then this is almost about to be the second phase run possibly going on. And the early 2000s with the San Antonio Spurs. Okay? And I love me some Peter Holt. He's done a lot for this city. I've always said if Peter Holt was still in good health, if he was really running this team, we would have never went through the Kawhi situation. Things would be different. But when Peter Holt was running, when we go to those early 2000s, when you're talking about you got the best power forward in, 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 the, in the history, and you got a Hall of Fame coach, one of the greats, and Greg Popovich, all right, when you got that, and, and, and I know in this thing, people say, well, Calvin, if they had the money, we haven't got free agent. Nah, I ain't going to go there. They had a guy by the name. He was Manu's best friend in Argentina, in Scola. Okay? When this team was down here competing with no other professional teams, soaking up all the advertising dollars, soaking up all the ticket sales, Okay, competing with nobody. They sat there and they let Scola stay over there without one to pay that freight to get him over here. I've always said history's different. Kobe's got one less. Shaq's got one less. Tim's got at least guaranteed one more. If you bring that guy over the pond, over, over the pond. they went in the luxury. If I'm not mistaken, they went in the luxury tax one time. And that was the year, I think, that they acquired a year or two after for Rosho Nesterovich. They went in the luxury tax one time. Hey, I'm not the Peter Holt might not have that money that the owner of Golden State had, but he had Caterpillar. What about a kid, a tractor? A tractor happy? Tractors. He had Caterpillar. Compete with nobody down there. Didn't squeeze enough out of the lemon, maybe. That's what this Golden State team is doing. At the bottom for two years in lottery, still spending money, still making basically trade. That's the difference between if you want to call this a dynasty run, what the Spurs had compared to this. That's the difference between, you know, getting one or two more out to just sitting there saying, hey, well, we're winning now. We're doing this. And this is nothing to take away from what the front office of San Antonio has done, especially by the name of R.C. Buford, who I don't think never did get enough credit down here in this whole 20-year run that they had. Steve Kerr, nine rings, man. Five as a player, four now as a coach. That's one behind Pop. 
One is a coach. And 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 to me, it's just gonna come down to health for him and Steph and everybody to depend on how this goes. Steph is 34. I Jonas and I was having this conversation. I think about 30, I give him till 37. I'll say three years of having Steph at this level. He's picked up muscle. He's in probably one of the best shaped players in the league. But Father Time, when it, I would say at this level, Steph running around screens, shooting angles, 50 feet, all that, i say about three more years at that high level. And then after that, I think even when he gets, if he decides to play that long, if he gets to 37, 38, he's still going to bust people's ass with the shot. But at that time, I think you see him or whatever. So what can they squeeze? Is that the time that they're riding Wiseman? Do they get somebody else in trade that we don't even know yet that has the form? That's what I'm looking at. So it's really hard to talk about Steph putting him in the top 10 or putting him top five when it's still playing out. It's still playing out. I mean, hell, Steve is right behind old Phil. It was funny. Clay Thompson last night in NBA, he's like, hey, well, I'll make a dunk kick. I'm going to pull Mike. I ain't playing for no other coach before Steve Kerr. And Steve Kerr's like, yeah, well, that didn't hurt. That didn't help work out too good for Phil, you know. Old Steve Kerr, okay, relates to his players. Players like playing for him, you know. I remember saying that, oh, he's got KD. Oh, he's got Steph and Clay. Nah, man. K- Draymond was out for a month. And not at- we saw what happened like when, 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 he had, when he got COVID in that Dallas series. You know, I like Mike Brown, even though I know I get somebody on Twitter, oh, you always poop on Mike Brown. But you said, I'm never, all I said is he got fired. I think Mike Brown's a decent coach. He ain't Steve Kerr. We saw that when Mike had the coach. It's coaching matters. But. It's still playing out, but let's talk about it. So you, I asked you, Jones, where do you rank? And, and we talk about dynasties. Where do you, where do you rank? Where do you rank this Golden State? You know, four out of eight, six out of eight finals. If we talk about in the last 20, 30 years, which, what's your dynasty list? I think it's hard not to put the Bulls back to back or not two three peats. Come on, yeah, that's got to be number one. Okay. I got the Lakers, the last three-peat that we've had in sports. Back-to-back again at the end of the 2010s. Go back to what they did in the 80s. Okay. Of course, it's the skirting side of that last 30 years. And then I think you have to put these, these Warriors. Um, you know, making, making the finals. Uh, what, 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 this is six and eight years. Mm-hmm. Winning four of those, so you, there. I was listening to the Draymond Green podcast and Clay talking about how they've how how they their impact on the sport. And you look a hundred years from now, you look back at this, and you say, "Man, they won fifty percent of the titles that they that, that they were in the mm. games that they were in. They won fifty percent." And then I think that I think because all of those are very precise dynasties. All right, they 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 exist for a moment in time. Again, I look at the the 2000 to 2010 Lakers. I look at the 90s Bulls. I look at the the 2010 into 2020 Warriors. Spurs, I feel like dynasty wise, goes number four. Longevity, sure. A very tight window, 99 to 2007. Same kind of feat here that the Warriors how are pulling much, off. Not to cut you off, but how much are you docking the Spurs for not the back-to-back? Because AC bleeds silver and black. Like, she bleeds silver and black like I bleed orange and blue. And even with her, she said, hey, 
they never got back to they never went back to back. She has a hard time calling the dynasty, and I fight against her because I'm like, look, man. You know, yes, they didn't go back to back. But if you look over 20, you look at that. That's still to me. I've always as critical as people want to say I'm about the Spurs, the Spurs down or the Spurs hater. I've always defended them that I still look at that as a dynasty. What were you going to say, Sam? Yeah, I just wonder, because I mean, listening to y'all's list, I, I unless I missed it, you haven't even mentioned the late 50s through the 60s Celtics. That won eleven out of twelve championships in a row. Calvin had kind of set the window at like the last thirty, yeah, forty years. I, I, hear that you. I feel like goes really I, far I just, back. I don't. I don't think you can compare that era of the league to these modern dynasties. Okay. That's just that's you got to. You feel like you, you have to put at least them in. mention them. Okay. Okay. Because they did win eleven out of twelve that, years. That's fair. Well, if I asked you, Sam, in the modern in the last twenty twenty five years, if I had you to rate these dynasties, where do you have them? To me, it's. It's Bulls, 90s Bulls, and then for me, it's honestly probably 80s Lakers. Six out of eight with Pat Riley and Showtime with Magic and Cap. I agree with that. That's my number two problem. You put that ahead of the Lakers, the Kobe Shaq Lakers. Oh, Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably my number two. And then I think you're starting to debate – I mean, the the Spurs are just such a longevity. It's hard to even compare them to – I mean, even to like the Showtime Lakers because they did it all in eight seasons, basically. Or the Bulls, for that matter, who did it all in nine. Um, And the Spurs were damn, you know, two decades long of of a dynasty. So I I tend to lean more towards the next in that line is – Probably, I mean, you could even say eighty to eighty-seven Celtics. Well, we were talking about all the others that the Lakers did. I, I got them. I I agree with Jonas with the Bulls, and I have to kind of agree with you now. The Lakers, never, but I'd have to put Boston. I would have to put that eighties Boston as three because also I look at who's who's waiting on you. Who are you going against? That's waiting on you. I mean, look, James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Byron Scott, Magic Johnson. I mean, and then you look at the Bulls with it. I mean, and that's when you talk about your opponents. You know, if you if, if, before I make this point, well, let me ask you this, Sam. Do you dock? I mean, does it bother you any? Did you put any factor in the non back to back that the Spurs were able to do? Is that a does that mean something when we talk about this particular yeah. topic? Yeah, I mean, it's okay. definitely to me, it's definitely more impressive to go back to back than win two out of three years. I mean, to have that gap in between. Right. But I mean, at, at the same time, if you go back to back and then miss the playoffs the third year, what's more impressive? Winning back to back and missing the playoffs the third year, or winning a championship in year one, barely missing out in a finals loss in year two, and then winning it again in a year three in that scenario. Hmm. Okay. So I think it's just, I think a lot of it is, a lot of it is just arguing the minutiae of the eras of the game and who the teams were going up against in the sure. finals. Like you said, I think that's why the Celtics 80s dynasty gets more love even though they only won what three championships right. I think they three. and they didn't go back to back and they didn't go back to back but they were going up against the Lakers right and the what arguably is the second best dynasty of all time right. I mean I think the Warriors slot in if they aren't if they aren't more impressive than that 80 Celtics then they're definitely fourth to me it's it's kind of Bulls then 80s Lakers and then it's really hard for me to say 80 Celtics or current Golden State Warriors. So you have the Spurs coming back behind both of them. You haven't yeah, because fifth, again, yeah. it, it's just, I mean, the I get you. the longevity of it, just that is a, it equally or even more impressive than the, a short eight-year run. To I think that's the way that, I've looked at that, too. Right, and so I don't, to me, that's less of a, 
short dynasty and more of a era that they dominated, yeah, I, unlike I, any team ever. I, I agree. I, that's well said. Because to me, I've criticized them for everything in the sun, but something I've never criticized them for because I've never bought into it, the fact they didn't go back-to-back. I think the I think the opportunities, I think if point four doesn't happen, I think personally they beat that Detroit team two years in a row. I mean, we'll never know. Um, AC has pushed back on me on that, but I think that was an opportunity. And, of course, the Ray Allen shot. I mean, you know, I, I think if they get that, I mean, there's no reason to think whether they wasn't motivated and all that, they would still come back maybe to get. So I think they missed two crucial opportunities, uh, you know, to do that. What well, what year was the the foul? What year was that? The foul at the rim on Manu and Dirk. What what what? Oh what? six, uh, the year Mavs ended up going on to the finals. They finally got past San Antonio and then lost to the Heat. And the Spurs won it in oh seven. The, the year after that. You see what I'm saying? So maybe you want to talk about if that foul doesn't happen and they win that. Because that was game seven, right? In the oh, yeah. AT&T Center. I mean, and that only forced yeah. overtime and then True. they won in overtime. True. But it, that's another one. Of, but what did you got, Jonas? But that's why I want to take the take the Spurs and shrink the microscope a little bit. Where you can – they sure, longevity, they've got that. But if you look at the Spurs as a dynasty from 99 to 07 – that's four titles in eight years. But also, Jonah, and then the fact that they have the longevity after that, just just stacking on with it, with most of that same roster, you come back with the big three who win uh, three in that time. Then they go to back to back finals in thirteen and fourteen, and they win one of those. So if you look at if you tighten the Spurs window to just that eight year span, and you're looking at the Warriors in this eight year span. That's a hell of a dynasty. And you're not even talking about that, that's domination. And then you're go, you're going up against the, the the Mavericks, the 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 Pistons, the Lakers at that time. And you're looking at the competition, you're saying how is this not a dynasty? Well, I got a little bit before we move on from that topic. I'll, I'll have a little bit come back to that when we get back. But you listen to the Sports Grind, we're broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. We'll be back. Ready for a real cocktail? Introducing new Zing Zang ready-to-drink cocktails in a can. America's number one Bloody Mary mix with vodka. Zing Zang margaritas, tequila included. And whiskey sours with real Kentucky bourbon. Ready for no one to have to bartend. Real cocktails, real ingredients, really good. New Zing Zang full-strength canned cocktails. Legendary taste, legendary day. Always ready. Go to ZingZang.com to find where to buy. Please Zing Zang responsibly. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, Mr. Sands for the one and twos, 1-800-707-9760. This next segment is going to be sponsored by Zing Zang. Two words, the key to any perfect cocktail, and that is Zing Zang. Make sure you try out their pre-made alcoholic drinks or just stick to the mix and add your own favorite alcohol. That is Zing Zang, official sponsor of Sports Excuse me. All right, so real quick. So we've, we, this has been enough dynasty talk. I mean, I know I want to just – Get it out of the way. It's been heavy, you know, put a bow on the wrap of the NBA season that we can kind of filter into baseball and get ready for training camp. But before we put a bow, uh, when we talk about the 
biggest threat to them. Speaking of the Warriors next. Yeah, and I think all you got to do is start in the West. Uh, because honestly, when they've been, they've yet to not really go when they've been all health, been all whole. Speaking of being all healthy. Nobody in the West has really been able to beat them to stop them going from the finals except health. But if you ask me right now on June, in the middle of June, who's there? And we're just, you know, some of them guys ain't even taking a shower yet from the from the champagne. If you ask me who's their biggest threat or whoever, I would have to go. And you'll hear this a lot. It just won't be me. But you'll, I would have to look at the Clippers. And this is all going to depend on health. I mean, if you based off of what Tyron Lue did with that team, without having his best player all year, and then Paul George was out for the most, and the way they play defense, and you know what they were able to do, and 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 look, this is what I mean by this. I'm talking about getting to four first in a series. I ain't talking about out winning them in the regular season. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about who is the team that I think in the West that is built right now before we see trades and free agency that's really ready to beat them four out of seven. And I would I would say that threat is going to come down to the Clippers, and that's really based off of number two. Uh, how, you know how healthy is he going to be? Um, other than that, I don't think you know. I don't think Memphis will be ready. I mean, Memphis is built to win fifty to sixty games in the regular season, but I don't think they're quite there yet to beat them four out of seven. Um, I think the one team that is going to be on the uprise here pretty soon. Okay, that is probably like you know you want to might get on the early, and that's the Pelicans. Uh, but do I think they, they they're not going to be ready to beat the Warriors four out of seven? But they're coming. They're going to be the next one. I mean, maybe if Golden State's starting on the decline, if that ever happens, maybe they're ready to get going. And one last note: I think that we can finally put a bullet. I think this right here, and really, you go back to last year with Milwaukee. I think we can finally put a bullet in the super team era. And the team, the big three, the super team era. This is really about team and depth. The, when we talk about like the whole, like, well, LeBron's going to team up with D Wade and Chris Bosh, and then who am I going to go play with? I think we put a bullet in that era. I think we moved on from that. I think this, I think Milwaukee showed that last year with the team, and this Golden State would be in the least talented team they had that they wanted with. I think going forward, when you look at the Memphises, when you look at Dallas, when you look at some of these Pelicans, you start looking teams that are deep, that could be deep. It's not just about, well, this guy's going to go play with this guy. It, it was it's, And I'm going to compare that because there's always been loaded teams. Like we just talked about the 80s with the Lakers and all that. But I do feel that, you know, this whole era that we went through, kind of starting with the whole KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen thing, going past that, it's kind of, it feels like it almost stuck around as long as, as, as the Wildcat offense did in the National Football League. I never really got too caught up in it. I need, I know down here was a sore thumb because we couldn't, we can't play that game because of being a small market and not too many guys want to come here and play in San Antonio. So, But I think the good news is for us in this backyard and the silver and black, it is coming back to more about building complete teams, in my opinion. I think it's hard not to call – I mean, yes, they're homegrown. But I think it's hard not to call the Warriors a super team still. They're not a super because team. Because you could put Clay Thompson, healthy Clay Thompson, on another roster, and he's their, the team star. 
I think another team could maybe go through Draymond Green. I feel like another team, Jordan Poole here in a couple years, we, we're going to see what he really grows into. Oh, he's only, yeah, he's I think good. that I think that because yeah, I think no. that other teams, I think that other franchises, other fan bases. We'll look at the Spurs' success with what you had Manu agreeing to go to the bench and, and Tony having a finals MVP and, and Tim Duncan being who he was. I feel like a lot of those would say that you had, in a sense, a super team, a big three, and that's what other teams Golden felt State, like they needed. Golden State is not a super team. They were a super team with KD, Stephen Curry, and Clay prior to injury. That was a super team. Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Chris Bosh, that was a super team. The, the, Kyrie, I'm talk, I, Kevin Love, and LeBron James, super team? I mean, probably, yeah. This, this Warrior team, I mean, you can't say in one breath, this is the, mo- this is the least talent team that they wanted with, speaking of the Warriors, and then one breath later say that this is still a super team. No, it's not. Everybody ditched that when KD left. Like I said, KD was a cheat code. This, ain't, this is not, in my opinion, they're not, I mean, if Wiseman comes out to be the next big man coming or whatever, then maybe we can have that discussion. But right now, no, I don't consider this Warriors a super team. Sam? Don't you, when you think of super teams, don't you immediately default to teams that were created or formed through free agency? Well, that's what, kind of, that's what I'm kind of talking because about. Can't you grow a super team? I think you can grow a super team, but then it's not framed as this negative, like, oh, it's just a bought and paid for super team. It's just guys that all wanted to team up and play in Boston or Miami or Cleveland or I agree with that. wherever it was. The Warriors, yeah, they were a super team even before KD because those guys they drafted became that, but I don't think it's the same negative connotation at in when we compare them to all the other super teams y'all are talking about. I agree. I but agree. the framing is that they're still a super team. So the, I don't I can't I don't think you can say the super team era is done because I mean, the they concept still have three Hall of Famers. The concept is still three Bane players. There's, when I say the super team era is done, I'm meaning basically where guys have to feel like they gotta plan their free agency. They can't sign two, three years here because so and so is gonna come up free and I wanna go play. we can team up because to get to New York. there's a I lot of franchises so. out there with one guy left on an island who feels like he's not being helped out by his team, a la LeBron James in the two thousands and feels like he needs to go team up in Miami with two other superstars. I I, I don't I, I my opinion, we don't have to spend the rest of the eight minutes of the show on this. I'm just telling you Based off of what, and I think Sam said it correctly, I think when you talk about the criticism, Warriors never really got criticism until KD showed. Like, we never talked about, well, Steph, he can't do this. We never talked about that, the media I'm speaking of, until KD showed up. And then the negativity, like, oh, man, that ain't fair. KD lost to him, was up 3-1, and then he joins. Oh, that that ain't fair. That ain't fair. And then that's when this whole narrative's like, oh, well, wait till KD lives. Leaves. Steph need KD. There ain't no way he beat LeBron again without KD. That I don't think that we're. I'm not saying you're gonna have some big free agent that wants to go in there, but the whole thing of where people are building teams based off of who they can get, talk to this agent, backdoor this and this. I think we're putting the ice on that a little bit. Milwaukee wasn't no super team. I mean, look at what they tried to. Even though they were old, look what they tried to do with the Lakers. Even though they're old, but look what they just tried to assemble and look how did that pan out. I mean, I mean, so no, this and this is an encouraging message, especially down here. This is encouraging that we're not that that basically if this is a team that we're building down here and you keep preaching to me, patient, Calvin, wait till year seven. 
if you're doing, if you're saying that, then this is encouraging news to know that hey, look at the last two champions. Yeah, well, they you got. Have, you have to wait till year seven with a team like this because there's not a superstar on this team. And I, when you, you want to talk about the biggest threat to the Warriors next season. When you're looking at future things, I feel like the sports book is one of the best places to look on the futures. Yeah, on on the futures. It, it, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is that a super team, a super duo, dynamic duo? Clippers ain't a super team right now. I don't think. I think super team. You got to have three top dogs. Okay, like so I don't think there's if, nobody. If somebody joins them this off season, they could become a super team. Speaking of who, the Clippers. But we just had Keith on you. Who who's out there that's going to move or be traded to that would add to them? Are they going to get a Kevin Durant? Are they going to get a Kyrie Irving? Are they going to get a Devin Booker going to leave Phoenix? Is somebody going to leave? That's what I'm saying. You well, who, Keith did say buckle up because he thinks that because there's not a whole lot of free agents, the trade market could be crazy. Look, the, the Clippers are 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 with the Clippers, Warriors, Celtics, and Nets, a super team. The Nets are all are all the the. Sharing at plus six hundred to be champions next year for the I, best odds. I, I think it, uh, when I talk about this, I'm not talking regular season. I'm talking about guys that can be a coach and players that can beat those three, those four guys. Okay. Well, excuse me. Well, this is the no, regular no, season. Yeah, this that, is that can the beat those four guys next right. year. Right. That can beat those four guys in a four out of seven. Steve, Steph. Clay and Draymond. You need a coach that basically can sit there and go toe to toe with this guy for an adjustment wise four to seven. I think Tyron Lue's underrated when it comes to that. He's already done it one time against them. And number two, you got to have the players and you got to have them dogs. You got to have them ro- them them run stoppers. I don't think when I say super team, we're just disagreeing because you have your own definition of super team. I'm going more with Sam being like, no, we're talking about when it's not drafted and you get guys orchestrating when guys are going to come free agency. What LeBron did with D-Wade and Chris. What Kyrie tried to do in Cleveland. LeBron going back to Cleveland trying to see who can we get. This is more like let the front office do their work. you got to have good players, but it's like you can build and go. I'm just telling you. Right. I, and and to, that, to what you're saying, you think that the Clippers have Ty Lue, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, three of the four pieces – should they add another one? Whatever. They're up there. They're, they are the odds favorite to go against the Warriors in the West. And that's, I agree with that. I agree to with to win the title next year coming out of the West. Looking at the other West teams, the Phoenix Suns plus 900. I don't know what Phoenix is going to be. We don't even know if Aiden's coming back. We don't know what. Chris Paul ain't going to be able to go balls to the wall for 82 no more. I don't know what load man. Devin Booker, still, I mean, Devin Booker damn near in the same category as Jason Tatum. Devin still got some work to do. Tatum's going, and you know I got a message here from Daryl Legion saying Tatum, why, why, why don't you keep it real, Calvin, like you always do? Tatum's reached his ceiling. Daryl, I'm not going to say that. He's 23. I mean, he had a horrible finals, but I'm not going to say he's reached his ceiling. And making the playoffs shouldn't be standard for being called a dynasty. Come on, man. No, Daryl, what we're talking about, man, with the Spurs, you can. I mean, let me tell you, it's 20 years with 50 plus wins. That's a hot. That's a lot of hell of a extra credit. I had teachers give me a lot of extra, a lot less. 20 years of 50-plus wins, yeah, there was a gap between then. That's some form of a dynasty, man. And there's nobody else that's, that's more critical about that organization down here than me. But that's I'm not going to sit there and be caught in the moment. It is what they do. I don't think nobody else, including Steve Kerr, I think Steve Kerr is the, Steve Kerr is the best coach in the game. I've been saying that for the last four, four years. But do I think Steve's about to run off 10 or 15 years with 50-plus wins? 
I mean, he might get two more rings, but are they going to have the long? No, I don't think no one's doing that because, first of all, I don't think none of these guys are coaching that long no more. They're making too much money. Nobody's, I mean, Pop's Pops cut from a different breed that wants to stick around. I mean, I don't even know what the hell he's still got to prove right now. I had all that damn money pop up. I'd be out like, man, whatever. I'm out. Anything, a couple other things before we get out of here. Remember, we'll be off Monday and Tuesday. We'll be back Wednesday. Um, I brought up a little bit, got a little, you know, Dante, got some people feeding me stuff. Casey, Rob, you know, everybody got in their feeling yesterday, my, the so proper WWE crew out there. But I know we've got some developments with Vince McMahon. He's stepped down, right? But isn't he supposed to be live tonight or something like that? What's tonight? Friday Night Raw? So it's yeah. So tonight on SmackDown. Oh, SmackDown. Excuse me. Um, Vince McMahon is going to speak on uh, Fox. That's going to be at seven p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, but you do have Stephanie, uh, Stephanie McMahon, saying that until the conclusion of the investigation into recent allegations, I'm honored to assume the role of interim chairwoman and CEO. Uh, appreciate you, Kansas and I, and, City Rob. And I forgot who posted on Facebook Live yesterday. We didn't get a chance to read it, but somebody said, hey, this ain't shocking with Vince. He tried to put a script out there about some type of incest with him and his daughter or some relationship that happened, and they got shut down. And uh, that was there. Josh Padina sharing yesterday what on the, the Facebook Live. What the hell is that? That's kind of disgusting. I don't care if you even put – who would even put that in a damn movie script, let alone – this. that's disgusting. We'll see how that plays out, though. Patrick Mahomes responds to Tyreek Hill's comments. Kind of took a little bit of high road to say, hey, I'm surprised he said it. But I know he's trying to be over there with Miami. But, you know, I still got love for Tyreek. But, yeah, you know, and, you know, Patrick said, hey, this offense was humming before I got here. I remember seeing a kid in Philly. They were kicking butt. And, you know, they were humming before I got here. And that's it. I like Patrick's response, but don't make no, make no uh, mistake about it. Patrick was kind of like, feeling like, damn, Tyreek, really? But, again, he responded but took the high road. Um, what else real quick? We see what happens in hockey. Got game two tomorrow of the finals, uh, Stanley Cup finals, uh, U.S. Open. Who's in the lead right now, Jonas? Where's Rory at? Is he kind of backtracked a little bit today? Right now, um, we've got, scrolling back up, uh, Joel Dahman is sitting mm. in uh, sole possession of first, uh, five under. Morikawa is now at four under. Scheffler at three under. And Rory's tied for ninth at two under, and he's on the on the course right now. I know all those other guys you, you named except the leader. And sometimes in the U.S. Open, you'll get that first-time major championship winner that first time. I don't know who that is, but I know those other gentlemen that you that you speak of. Um what else do we got here going? I think we touched on pretty much everything. I knew we were going to be heavy uh, NBA-wise. We've got uh, locations well, for, the, for World the World Cup, Cup. in 2026. Yeah. Not really shocking to me, but who do we who do we get? Well, regionally, you've got um, Dallas and Houston both picking up locations. Mexico okay. City, where the Spurs are trying to go play. They've got Spurs. some Atlanta. Well, notably not on that list, though, is Las Vegas. They did not win their bid. Yeah, not worth the risk down there. Put that down there. Too much distractions. Anyway, all right, man, that is a wrap for the day and the week. Special thanks to producer of the show, Jonas Clark. Special thanks to Mr. Sandspin, the one and twos, San Antonio, Austin, Del Rio, people up in Tyler, people in the Shaw City, people down the whole 305 South Florida region, and my people down in Laredo. When that alarm goes off Monday morning for you, the snooze button, and for you out the rack, just ask yourself, you grind in peace. See y'all win. Wednesday.